Welcome to a new episode of the China FlexPet podcast. We are recording this during Chinese New Year, so it's a fantastic time here. We have Alan, who is a real expert in careers for foreigners in Asia, and I'm really excited to hear his advice on how to build your career in Asia. Welcome, Alan. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Alan McIver. I'm originally from Scotland. I've been in Asia for about 13 and a half years. So most of that time has been spent in Taiwan and Taipei, but I also lived in Shanghai for a couple of years. I mostly focus on senior level headhunting. So I, I work predominantly in the sales and marketing industries for different clients, both multinational and local. And I help senior level people find jobs in those industries. Um, I also teach at universities as a guest lecturer and I produce content. So I write articles. and I do a lot of public speaking. I'm very impressed, Alan, by your LinkedIn. You, you're like a real pro. So I, I don't see this a lot. And I'm on LinkedIn like every day. So how did you come to Asia in the first place? And how did you end up doing this kind of uh, influencing for career topics? I first decided to come to Asia when I graduated university. So I was very young when I came over. I was probably about 22 or 23 years old. Um, a friend of mine had decided he was going to come and teach English here for a year. And then I thought that that sounded like a really good idea. And so we Google searched teaching English in Asia and then applied for a job and just came over. So there wasn't too much thought into it. But then once we arrived, we found that we were really happy here. We really enjoyed it and we, we settled. We decided not to leave and kind of built our lives over here. And can you share a little bit the challenge of a professional English teacher and why did it not fulfill you? So I taught English for four years and then I kind of panicked. I was at 28 years old and I thought that I wanted to do something different with my career. I, I thought that English teaching was quite um, fulfilling in a certain way. I really enjoyed working with the kids, although it wasn't really what I wanted as a career. I was always very ambitious as a kid. I, I studied very hard. I got a scholarship to go to boarding school in Canada when I was younger. I went to a very good university. So, you know, I was I was ambitious and competitive and I wanted to try something new. 2013 was when I made the move over to Shanghai and I started looking for jobs over there. If flexpats are in the same situation, how can they plan a career change? So I think if you're working as a foreigner in Asia, it's obviously a little bit more difficult than it would be if you were working in your home market. The best advice I would always give is the more direct, the better. So because it's more difficult to find jobs and a lot of job postings are targeting locals, they're not really open to foreign talent. I think you have to focus on your network building because a lot of foreigners will find jobs through people that they know in their network. So the more direct, the better means connecting with people on LinkedIn and sending messages, even cold calling companies can be a good idea. That's how I got my job back in Taipei at Robert Walters. I cold called the office manager and then set up an interview and got that job. So rather than just apply directly, I was a bit more aggressive with my job search. I think that you have to find solutions to your own problems. So if you're if you're changing career or changing jobs, you're the one that has to spearhead that. And which career paths and industries would you say are more open if you're not a pilot or a doctor or an engineer? Which industries are more you know, you can just get across if you're teaching English or doing something totally different before. So my particular focus is sales and marketing. And I found that a lot of foreign talent work for the local firms, either Chinese or Taiwanese, that target the international market. So, for example, if you are French, 
um, you can target the French speaking market or the European market. Um, the same goes if you are Brazilian or Russian or from England, you, you can get a job for a local firm that is doing sales or branding into the foreign markets and help them because in that sense, you're very useful. No matter what you do during the sales to the outside markets where you kind of work in your home market, do you still need to speak Chinese? I've always felt like learning Chinese was important to my career. And so I made an effort from when I first came here to, to start taking classes and improve my Chinese. There's a baseline. Basically, if you don't speak any of the local language, you're making it very difficult to be hired. It's a, it's a very convenient excuse for hiring managers and HR to use. Also, if you are a foreigner in a, in a local company and you're forcing everyone else, all of your colleagues to use their second language, for example, in meetings, then obviously you're being a bit of a hindrance. You're not really helping things. I would always say, you know, learning the local language is, is a great way to ingratiate yourself, but also a good way to improve your life quality. I would always recommend doing private classes because if you have a private teacher, you can do one-on-ones and you can learn vocabulary that's important to you or relevant to your specific industry or job function. I totally agree. And if we go back to the idea what the background the talent has, how important are university degrees or maybe even I heard of English teachers taking an MBA in order to prepare for the career chance. Do you think this is really important or how does it pay out to have a good degree if you do these kind of jobs in China or Asia? I think that having a, a strong brand name on your university degree is still very important. So the big brands like Cambridge, Oxford, Yale, Harvard, INSEAD, Wharton, These types of university degrees will open doors in Asia, definitely, that's definitely the case. But also studying a local degree, like for example, doing an MBA. If you want to switch out of English teaching, doing an MBA in the city that you're living in or want to work in can be a really good idea because you can build a network there and also hiring managers will see that you have done that. So it's definitely still important. If you're from a university that doesn't have a, a globally recognized brand name, I mean, I think my university is a little bit like that. I went to the University of St. Andrews, which in the UK is number three, I think, just behind Cambridge and Oxford. And it's not terribly well known globally, but I don't think that there's much you can do about that. Once you're already into a career, it's very difficult to think back and change things. Basically, you just have to make the best of what you have. So. I would encourage you not to have too much anxiety about that and just try your best to get ahead or try your best to, to find a suitable job for you. And if you get the job or if you apply, how did you really differentiate from Asian local professionals? I think in my experience, and I've dealt with a lot of very strong uh, local candidates, very senior level candidates, but also I've spoken to a lot of foreigners and worked with a lot of foreigners, interviewed a lot. I think the main differentiator is areas like creativity, for example, critical thinking. I think in China and the greater China region, a lot of education is focused on memorization. They're very strong in math and science. 
but they tend to be a bit less strong on creative things like, for example, debate or essay writing. And I think foreigners, they can really set themselves apart if they're very good at critical thinking and analyzing problems and coming up with creative solutions. I think that you could make yourself a real asset to the company that you work in. The other area I would say is a general acumen with regards sales. So that's more to do with soft skills. So managing clients or, you know, ingratiating yourself with different foreign companies or different foreign partners can be a real advantage. I'll give you an example. When I was working in China, I was a very junior level headhunter. Even at that point, I was given the responsibility of chaperoning a lot of our big clients when they came into town and uh, going into business development meetings. So even though I didn't know the business as well as my colleagues did, they thought it was easier for me to charm our potential clients. And where can Flexpats learn this? Where can they learn about building, changing a career, but also about fitting in these two worlds, the international world where you represent the owner and the Chinese world where you're a guest? Where can Flexpats learn this? You have to learn by doing to a large extent. I think people who are emotionally sensitive, they can read other people. They tend to do quite well because they can see when certain actions have gone down well and when certain actions have gone down badly. I think that you should always be asking advice from other people. I've said this three times now. Your network is very, very important because you can learn a lot of things from different people. And you can also look to online content. There's people like yourself and people like myself who, who produce a lot of content online and if you're open to to learning from people like us who have been in the in the industry and working within the culture for a long time I think it's only going to be an advantage a lot of people have come to Taiwan read my articles and then replied sent a message to me saying oh thank you so much I learned a lot from your article and I started to implement it within work and it's been a massive boost for me in my career but I'm very proud of that as well I think you can be. It really, it's, it's a great achievement. So if Flexpets fail for whatever reason, or if they really feel bad in their current situation, so what can they do just to get out of this? I think if you are an expat in Asia or you, you've chosen to live here and build your career here, but it's not going well, I think you have to be quite introspective about whether this is the right decision for you. Not every personality and not every person fits into working abroad. And ultimately, it is more difficult to build a career in a market that's not your home market. I teach at a lot of universities and I've spoken to a couple of American students who said to me, I'm used to a loud and open and a debate type office setting and I've really struggled to adapt here should I just go home and honestly my advice to them would be maybe you should yes maybe you can make it work but why would you force the issue if you don't seem to fit in culturally I think you need to be very honest with yourself about whether or not living abroad is the right thing for you or, or even whether you're living in the right place the world is big and there's lots of different options you could go to many different countries and try again so for those who stay, like you and me, so how can we really integrate in Asia? Integrating in Asia, I think, is a combination of different factors. I think understanding cultural nuances is a big part of it. I think improving your language skills really helps. But we had our company, Wea, our company banquet last night, and everyone is speaking Chinese and joking around. And I felt I was able to join in with the jokes so I'm not just sitting there as the outsider, the foreigner. I'm also able to have a bit of banter with my colleagues. 
over the years, maybe I'm seen as less of the foreigner and more just part of the team, just another colleague, which again is, is the key to integrating. Finding friends here who are not only just foreigners, but finding friends who are locals, that can really help. And this is a bit of a controversial thing to say, but I think marrying a local has been a, a really big part for me because once I had a Taiwanese wife, my local colleagues saw me as one of them. So, oh, you're, you know, you're one of us now. And you know, they, they were so supportive about me getting married. And a lot, of, a lot of people I meet here are really excited about the fact that I have a local spouse and a child here and that I seem very happy and integrated into the local culture. I think they're, they're really proud that I have chosen this place to be my home. And so it's, it's been great, really good. What are you really thankful for? I'm really thankful for my opportunity that I was given in Shanghai. When I was teaching English here, I panicked. And I think I was 28 when I moved to China. And I had applied for hundreds of jobs. After two months, I, I managed to get one interview in a headhunting company called ZWHR. And they hired me to be a personal assistant. And that was the one opportunity I needed. I was given no other opportunities. And since then, I've managed to learn so much, not just in that company, but in other companies. And that was really the starting point for my career. And I'm so thankful that they were kind to me. When I first got my job in China, I went to get my, my visa and I actually failed my medical and they made me stay in hospital for two weeks because they were worried I might have tuberculosis. I had a problem with my lung and my company were really supportive about that. They came to visit me in hospital and they helped me deal with a lot of that and I couldn't be more thankful. I really, really appreciate what they did for me in my career. That's really kind and very sensitive to, to say it like this. I really like that. What are you afraid of? Or what could go wrong which would make you go home? Well, I mean, I just mentioned I have a kid, so I have a two-year-old boy. I think that children's education here can sometimes be an issue. If he grows up and he doesn't fit into that public system of education, I could see that being a bit of a problem in the future. Obviously, I live in, in Taipei, although I've spent time in China, I live in Taipei at the moment. And the political tensions are also a, a bit worrying. I hope that the world can avoid war. I don't think that conflict or war or violence is good for anybody. And that, that's worrying as well. I, I've made Asia my home and I'm very, very happy here. And I, I hope that that continues. I have no real plans to relocate anywhere else. I feel like I've built up what I have here and that I want to kind of nurture that and keep it growing. You were able to comprise all your career experience in 20 minutes. So who should listen to this? I mean, I try and give advice to be as helpful and relevant as possible. I, you know, if somebody is interested in listening to my journey or listening to my advice, I'm very thankful for that. I understand that I produce a lot of content and people probably get a bit sick of my face. But I, I hope that people find it helpful. If you find me annoying, then don't listen to me. But if you think that's, you know, my experience or that some of the expertise I've managed to build can be helpful for you, then I feel very proud. And, you know, I, I think that's a great thing to have achieved. Thank you so much, Alan. It's been a wonderful session. I can only encourage everyone who's listening to reach out to Alan, reach out to me, try to understand what you have to do in order to build your own happiness in your career. If we focus on career growth and make our life really nice, it can be a wonderful life. 
Thank you so much, Alan. It's been wonderful to have you on the China Flexpad podcast. Thanks again for the invitation, Francis. It's my pleasure. I really enjoy doing things like this, and I hope that people find it helpful. So thanks again for the invite, and Happy New Year, everyone.